0: for for a few weeks now and for some of the people that who i've spoken to will 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 understand that you know that as the pastor you know it is is my job to to be able to feed the sheep to make them strong um, and to do the to do the work that god has has given them to do And, and and it is it's quite amazing so my sermon is just i've just given a title, Productive Branches. Um, So, you know, we'll go through this sermon today, but it is important. It is important when we look in our Bible and to see that it's an amazing source for all of us to see how people have responded through time to God's word. All the positives are remarkable, we can do all the Old Testament battles and the, the miracles, the prophets, the words, the, the creation of the, of the planet and us, our creation, all of these are positives and, and remarkable, they, they're supernatural, it's, it's amazing, but all the negatives really tell us how weak man is and we know why. And we know why it's because of sin. But that's what it's done. It's, it's put us into prisons and captivity. And we know that, that when people don't know God or don't know where they should be going, that they're already captured. And so it's so important that we understand. And especially when we look into the Old Testament and consider the history of God's chosen people, of how their weakness of, of, of their flesh just took them away from God over and over and over again. It's why God sent Jesus to give us his spirit to help us with those weaknesses. Yet the psalm we looked at, the psalm we looked at earlier shows us no matter what man does against God, if he truly repents and puts his life back in order, he can. He can. She can, they can be the person that God intended them to be. Look at David, a man tempted, just like any other person upon this planet. He fell into sin, and then he tried in his flesh to organize a route out of his problem, failed miserably, and instructed his army commander to put the husband who, he sinned against of Bathsheba in the heat of the battle and remove all of the soldiers from him so he would be killed. So David was an adulterer. He was a liar. He was a a deceiver. And he he was a totally, totally premeditated, planned murderer as well. And yet the psalm, shows us why David was a man after God's own heart. No matter what he went through, no matter what he done, he had to remember the Lord is his life and his salvation. It is only him that will give him the life that he was promised and the salvation, the escape route from every trap that he ended up in every enemy that come against him it would be and he remembered that it is the lord that will save him and us in every situation he found himself in and we find ourselves in and the lord told him many many times to fear not and have courage and and not to be be not to have that fear why because the lord is his strength, He's the strength of his life, who, who shall he fear, you know, and it's that kind of conversation that Psalm has, you know, it's it's definitely just like us, the battles that we have every single day, the ups and downs, our minds playing tricks with us, our feelings taking us from from, from A to B when we want you to go to, from C to D. It's so simple when we look at ourselves the way that we're easily, easily led out of the path that God has intended for us. That's the human nature that, that we, we have. This week, we've had a look in, in one of the discipleship courses at the parables. And incredibly interesting. And we know that the Lord uses the natural to show the supernatural. and He said it's to make it easier for his children to gain understanding. That's brilliant, isn't it? And of course, those who do want to hear will not hear, but those who want to hear will hear. And He uses everything you know we, we did we did you know the, the nature, you know we'd stop the wind and the, calmed the waves, we did. The, you know, the supernatural feeding the 5,000. Uh, we did raising the dead, casting out spirits, and all those. And he, and he uses parables to just to show us what the kingdom of God is like. And so that nature tells us. And, and <laughs> he uses trees many times. It's a great example for us. And we got some great ones with the trees. So let me, let's just give you some, some, some. Places where God has used the nature to show us how we can be in God's presence. Psalm 1, uh, 1 to 3. And, you know, we'll probably all know this psalm, but it's just one of those wonderful ones that's a a blessing to us. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose life also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Beautiful talking about the word. And we're going to be tree planted by the rivers. I've been walking again this week, training for my for my um, charity walk in September, uh, we're doing the Jur- Jurassic Coast. Don't worry, I'm not doing the 100 miles. I'm only doing 20 miles. Or so. And so don't worry, again, I will be asking you to to sponsor. It is for cop death the research into cop death and so it's important that when we are like this, and we're into the word meditating, and, and we don't follow the worldly ways, and our delight is the word of God, and doing it—that's we're going to be like that tree. And listen, bring forth its fruit in its season. It's so important. Proverbs eleven—you um, know—it's just a different way of, of, of looking, looking at a tree. Just two verses. Verse thirty: the fruit. Of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth how much more the ungodly and the sinner. And we know what that means. When we are fruitful for God, and that, that righteousness will give us that tree of life. And we know what the tree of life, the tree of life was the same tree of life in the garden of Eden, that if they'd have ate the tree of life, they'd have lived forever. So we know the fruit of us winning souls and doing what's right is that eternal life that God wants us. So a tree. And our view of a tree should be one of strength. As I said, I went walking this week and, you know, I didn't know that even in this country there are 50 different types of oak tree. I thought there was just a few. Uh, But there again, you see, I'm being educated that there's there's trees. But when we look at our oaks and we know that they are strong, they are one of our strongest woods, and it's able to withstand the forces of the storms, they have strong roots. And the strong roots not only strong to keep it there in the midst of a storm but those roots go right down to take all the nutrients and the water its sustenance for its need for growth that's how the lord sees us as his trees in the faith being there in god receiving the Holy Spirit, taking the nutrient of the word and and the water of life is the Holy Ghost that is flowing through us so we can prosper and our branches and our fruit comes in its due season and produces the fruit that God wants us to have. But Romans 11 gives us a a different view um, about, about, about the trees. And Romans 11, I'm going to read 16 to 23. This is talking about us being grafted in. So this is us, the, 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 the Gentiles that become Christians, being grafted in to the tree that God has already planted. Listen, verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, this is us, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root of the fatness of the olive tree. So we're being grafted into the Jewish life And I know it's not about doing what they did, but they're in that olive tree that God planted. That's how God is looking at them. Verse 18, do not boast against the branches. If you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Isn't that amazing? that, you know, that, yeah, we, we, we're the same God, it's the same God, we believe in the same God, that's the foundation, we use the Old Testament to remind us, it's our teacher, and we're in this New Testament, which is built upon the Old Testament, so we're built upon that root support system, so it's quite fascinating, and verse 90 says, you then, you say, say the branches were broken off, that we were broken, we, we were grafted in, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. That's the unbelief of the Jews. You know, you could see that when they, when they went through the wilderness, that God did not spare all those that didn't have the faith to get through. And they had to do that 40 years. So all those who didn't have the faith to cross that Jordan, you know, because of the giants and everything else, he, 40 years before they'd all, all died to allow The people that weren't tainted by that unbelief that they had. But don't be haughty. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. There's our faith again. Do not be haughty, but fear. Here we go. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. it's it, it's a bit of a warning, and you know God does that, and and we've got to listen to the warnings. we we can't get ourselves that uh, you know into into that same that same grave that people get. We're all right, we're going to heaven, we haven't got to change. We haven't got to do anything else. God loves us. it's we've got to look at these warnings. Again, just to check ourselves. Again, John 15, uh, verses 1 to 8. And we, we know this one. I am the true vine, and my father is the fine vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit you're already clean because of the word which i have spoken to you abide in me live in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself not in our flesh unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And you know, it's another warning. And it's important that we begin to see our life in the flesh and our life in the spirit that we should have. It's so important. This next scripture is truly amazing. Verse 7 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? There's a life that we, we can have that when we will let God live in us, and we live in God, and and try our best to do what God has asked us to do in every part of our life—not just of a Sunday, not just of a Monday or a Wednesday, but every single day. Being the children of God that He asked us to be, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why? Verse eight. By this my father is glorified praise and honor is given to him glory and just wonders and thanks that go to him why that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples and on it goes the parable of the sower. we did that last week as well and we know that and we know that we are the sowers no one else no one else is the sowers. It's just God's chosen people to do the work in the field of souls. And instead of us putting all the negatives up, because that's not of God. For us to, to put in all the things that we've got to do, and I can't do this, and I don't know, and I, I've done all I can, etc. etc. We must look to the Lord and see what He says. This is definitely every individual's personal battleground. And we've done this many times flesh versus spirit, worldly stuff versus the spiritual that God wants us to do. But we need to be really positive. We need to look at all the positives of everything that God is trying to, trying to do. So we must remember the absolute positive of the parable of the sower. There were three types of soil where, where Christians, they come, some of them just didn't listen to the word and it went on the wayside. There there were those that, that, you know, that, were, that were excited, um, but because they had no root, they didn't go to teaching, they didn't accept the teaching, they stopped going to church and all those other things. That, you know, and they were, then, they, they were lost as soon as something happens, they're gone. And, of course, there was those that, then, that then, then were really excited about God. And then, as time went on, the cares and the riches of the world just captured them and, and destroyed their faith. But listen, the last verse, verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Come on, church, this is where we've got to aim for. You know, we are going to have soil. We are going to get people that go away, but that's not our problem. We, we go and seek them. We try to encourage them to come back to church. We try to encourage them to come to Bible study because this is where we get our strength and our study to know the word of God. It's not about what we think. It's about what God's word asks us to do. And it's so important that we understand we, every one of us, 30, 60, 100 fold, stop saying we can't. Stop putting every excuse under the sun about people don't want to listen. God wouldn't give us the word of God to tell us that, hey, if you continue to sow and don't grow weary, then we shall reap the harvest. That's the scriptures that we've got to take to our hearts every time we have doubt. We have learned that the fruits of the Spirit of what God is trying to work into us. He's trying to work the fruits of the Spirit into us through all the trials and temptations, the errors that we make. He's trying to give us the patience to to keep going, to try and give us the, the faith to know that whatever we're going through, God loves us and he won't forsake us while we're we're staying with him. We've got to learn from every mistake. We've got to learn from every error. We've got to learn from everything that we've said that's wrong. We've got to learn from our repentance. We've got to learn that God wants us to have a blessed life in this life and forevermore to be with him and together. That's what he wants for us. He works all these fruits of the Spirit into us, using every experience, every failure to teach us what we've got to do next time. It's brilliant. He never gives up on us. And we've just got to accept this is what God is trying to do with us. And when when we get these fruits of the Spirit, all these fruits of the Spirit enable us, enable us, to win souls. Isn't that marvelous? Empowered Christians that will bear much fruit. Let's go back to the book that gets people saved. It is so important. The apostles were put in prison. You know, and let's, let's be fair. Look, look what they went through. You know, we don't want to go to prison. We don't want any, anything to go wrong. We want this, this glorious life where nothing goes wrong. I'm sorry. It's not going to be like that. It's just going to be like what the Bible says, you know, I, you know and all these things. People say, oh, Mark, I don't want to go to prison. I said, well, let's not work for ourselves to go to prison, but let's work for the kingdom of God and let's see the glory of god acts 5 28 to 32 it's important that we look into the bible to see the examples that god has given acts 5 28 this is the okay this is the <laughs> this is the sanhedrin sanhedrin telling the apostles that they what they're not to do. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. You know, and, 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 and it's important because they were put in prison because they were doing one thing. They, did, they, they were preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, which the, of course the Sanhedrin didn't want them to do. Why? Because it's, it's the power of God and the devil was working with them to stop this name being used. Acts 5.28. Did we strictly command you not to teach in this name and look you have filled jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us but peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey god rather than men The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be the prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. See, they knew. They knew, they knew they'd got this spirit. They knew they've got to do what God has asked them to do, no matter the consequence. And therefore, because of that, they did the most incredible witnessing. And so many thousands were saved Um, you know, in in days and the times that come, read the book of Acts from this time on, and you will see that multitudes came to the Lord, you know, everywhere they went, you know, they got priests coming and everything, why? Because they went out and preached the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 33, Gamaliel, who was was a great teacher then, Um, you know, he stood up, He stood up um, in in that meeting. Why? Verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. So the Sanhedrin were furious with Peter and the apostles that were there because they had disobeyed. And now, of course, they've, they've, they've preached and told them, who should we obey? And they knew who should they obey, but still they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up a Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up claiming to be someone. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered, and it came to nothing. And after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of census and drew away many people after him. He also perished. And all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of man, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Isn't that an incredible instruction? Isn't God wonderful that he used one of their teachers to get them, to stop them trying to kill these people? We know he didn't, but there it was. They were let out. Verse 40, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, hello, beaten them, beaten them for preaching the name of Jesus. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. That's what the devil does to us. It does not want us to go and speak in the name of Jesus to anyone. Verse 41 So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching jesus as the christ isn't it wonderful isn't it wonderful you know and i've looked at this you know and and i've i've just felt the tears and and the heartache and the and the shame you know even on myself that i'm not doing enough father you know because listen that's what they did they counted worthy to suffer Worthy to, for people to rebuke them and, 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 to, and to tell them off and to capture them and to beaten them. And yet they went away rejoicing that they suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. Incredible, incredible rejoicing for they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That name, that powerful name the name he gave us in our baptism, the same power that changed his disciples from fishermen to fishers of men, the same power that changed Peter from a weak man who couldn't tell a young maiden he was a follower of Christ to one who gave the first sermon of, 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 of the New Testament and the, and, and the one that gave the keys to the kingdom for salvation. And then was imprisoned and beaten, and they thought it was wonderful to suffer for the gospel. We've got to change our minds, church. We've got to change our minds if we wanted to have a cushy, cushy ride in this, and no one's going to be against us, and everyone's going to be saved. It'd be wonderful and my prayer would be that but also no we have an enemy that's going to work against every single one of us to tell us no we rebuke that in Jesus name paul another example who was Saul at the time who was changed from the greatest persecutor of the new of the new way the way of Christ to become the greatest apostle we say and yet he thought he was the least and ended up after he's told us so many times, I've not apprehended, I'm not there yet, I'm still pushing forward for the high calling of God, and that is to preach the gospel, I have run the race, he said, and kept the faith, that was the end of his life, the same man, The same man who had the same battles as each one of us. And we've got to remember these are people just like us. Everything that we go through, people have gone through in the Bible. The same problems, the same things, the the same spirits against us. It It is the same. Romans 7. Romans 7, this is Paul. And we'll understand this when when we read it. Uh, Romans 7, verse 14 to 25. For we know, verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. But I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For that, what I'll do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If, then I do what? I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, to do is present with me. But how to perform it, what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do. I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Even if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me." It's the same battle as us. We know what to do and yet we won't do it. Why? Because it's the flesh. It's the flesh That is is taking control of what we should be doing and not the spirit. The spirit is the word of God. The word of God is what we hear. It's It's the word that tells us what we should be doing, not our flesh. Verse 21, I find in the law that evil is present with me. We all know that. It rises up all the time. Our old man keeps rising up and we have to keep putting him in his place the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Here we go. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, So then, with a mind I myself serve the Lord of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. This is the battle, the battle we have. You know, we we don't like putting ourselves out. We don't want to do this. That's our flesh. And whereas the Spirit says, yes, we've got to do it, you know, and we've all prayed it. Yeah, Lord, send me out, Lord. Send me out. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But don't worry. Don't. Don't, 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 don't punish yourself. It's just like Peter. It's just like Paul. It's just like a lot of people. We've got to get through this. We've got to win this battle. We've got to win this battle of negativity and what the devil wants us to think and feel and say no, to get the glory, to get the blessings of God, to be like those trees that God want us to be. We let, have to let the spirit and the word flow out of our bellies like rivers of living water, being the spiritual people that God wants us to be. Hey, we know this world is running headlong into the end of the head to- end times. We know there's going to be just millions of people going over the, going over the, uh, over the precipice into the abyss. And, you know, and the only way that we're going to we're going to stop them is to to preach this gospel, to to, to tell them it's everything. Everything is happening at this time is, is against being a Christian the base, the actual basis of God's life, way of life has been totally eroded now, one man, one wife, go forth and fill the earth, everything can go now, the sexual abominations, the devil, oh, they don't even preach about the devil anymore, all, the, all preaching about hell, they're not bothered, I've just seen a, a you know, in the state of Massachusetts, they've just passed a law that they that that they can have more than two in a marriage. Here we go. And that's going to be next. There's the devil working. And they put it all over the internet. They don't tell you about the good things the churches are doing or how many people are being saved and finding God. But one thing like that is their bang, straight there for the rest of the world to see. Why? So the devil's people can... Follow and and, and, and multiply the the sin and the hatred and, and the things against God. The preaching, the traditions of man are taking over. The preaching of God is love and ignoring every other scripture so that anything goes in this life now, in a man's life and sometimes even in the churches. We know some of us have been to churches which have not even to, had teaching just a sunday service not taught the fundamental truths of jesus the bible is very clear there are false prophets and false teaching and it's going to get more and more as the end times come sometimes people have had no teaching at all people do not know what salvation i witnessed to a lady in the garden yesterday and she said, I knew you were a Christian. And she said, you know, so when did you become a Christian? And I didn't give too, too much. You know, I just gave the parts about salvation. And she said, oh, well, that's what it says. And then and I had to preach a little bit. But each time she said, well, God is love. God is love. God is love. And I, I, gave, her, I gave her the book just to say, please, go and, go and study this. And come back to me and tell me, this is not the word of God. What do the churches preach now? Just attend and you will get to heaven. And the list goes on and on and on. No wonder the Lord is going to come back and it says, I shall shake the earth and I shall shake his church. There are more people who are not saved in this country than ever before. It's, 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 it's amazing. The population has exploded. And don't forget, we've also, not even our own population, we have taken in over 5 million immigrants, mainly from the EU. And yet, the church hasn't increased. It's still declining in numbers. We know that some of the Eastern Europeans have attended, the, uh, have attended um, Catholic churches and the Church of England, but there's many that have not carried on with their faith. But you know, we go back to the scripture. We've got to always go back to to see what the sound doctrinal teaching that God um, is giving us. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And this is about what our Jesus did. And, you know, and it is for us again to just look at what Jesus did, because don't forget, he said we're going to be transformed just to be like him. That's what he wants us to do. We're transformed by the renewing of, of our mind. And one day we're going to look into the mirror and we are going to say, hey, I'm just walking like Jesus. And there it is again. God's always given us this vision of what we can be, not what we are and what he can do with us. Verse. Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Just look around you. It's the same today. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's amazing. It just It is so opportune for today. Look around you. The harvest truly is plentiful, and yet the laborers are few. I was 38 until someone spoke to me about the Lord Jesus Christ, 38 years in a Christian country, and no one had spoke to me like he did about Jesus Christ. And yet the Lord calls everyone into his church to become followers of him. He called us. He called us for a time such as this. This is our life. This is our time. This is, this is the life that he's got for us. This is our time to be the laborers. This is our time to be in the church of God. This is our time to be the, the, those, the, those parts of the effective working of the body of Christ working together. It's the time that we, we've got to look what, how much life we have le- left. What are we going to do with it? how are we going to make sure we serve the lord as he has commanded us to do we know we know it's so simple that jesus mission was to seek and save the lost and we know that's got to be our mission to seek and save the lost we also though know that god has been teaching us to be disciples to do exactly what he wants us to do and we know He will not give up on any single one of us. And therefore, we cannot, we cannot give up on him. It's not about me. It's not even about our church. It's about him. Not giving up on him. My job as a pastor is to feed you. And we all know that the feed that you need to have is this bread of life, is the word of God, is that, is that word of God to equip us to do the work of the ministry. Why? So each one of us can be fully furnished for good works. For that is what we shall be known for, our good works. You know, so we can easily look at ourselves to see what are the good works we're doing. And we also know we're laborers together with God together. We're not on our own. He wants us to labor and he'll be with us then. He furnished us with the same power and authority that he gave that starting church, the first disciples and the apostles. And we today have something that they did not have. We've got the incredible ability to search the scriptures like never before. We are able to communicate like never before. And yet, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is struggling to grow. Are the promises of the Bible worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting our flesh and our feelings and our thoughts so that we can be the people that our Lord Jesus wants us to be so that he can abide with each one of us and we in him? Every one of us know our own battles about being a witness for Jesus. Every one of us know what our battles are and we haven't overcome them yet. That's our job now. I know, I know how hard it is. I've got the same same problems as everyone else. Some people in our families don't even want to listen to us when when we preach the gospel to them. But we will not give up on them. Hey. Some of you took 10 years to come to Christ, and you'd heard that much word. But somewhere, somewhere, somewhere along the line, we've got to trust God by keep doing what we've got to do, and he will make a way. He is the way maker, the miracle worker. He is the problem solver. He is our all in all. We have to be like Jesus. We have to love them. We have to teach them. But mostly, our family especially, we have to show them how different we are with our love for them, for Jesus, for the beautiful things that he's given us. For that forgiveness that He'd given to us, and that we can give to them. The knowledge and the understanding that is given us of who Jesus is, why he came, and why is the word and why the world has started, etc., and how incredibly wonderful that the Bible is, and it is not just a story, it's true. The harvest is truly plentiful and again we need to go out and seek the lost and we know why it's our duty it's our command and yet it should be our joy no matter what goes on and remember this it is one of the greatest sources of our blessings to receive all what god has for us doing what he's asked us to do today God is calling us back to our first love how we felt when we first encountered the true living God in salvation and how he has stuck with us all through those the last few years even though we've messed up so many times and yet each time his love did overshadow us and he filled us again and again and again with his spirit When we said, Father, forgive me, for I am as a sinner. And I know we don't like it, but that's the battle over and over again. But remember, remember, it's him. It's his unconditional love for you. The same love he has put inside us for each other. Knowing he will never leave us. Knowing that when we teach or preach, and we begin to tell others about him, the Spirit will be bringing forth the scriptures we have heard, studied, learned, and put into practice, giving us his love for the person we are talking, teaching, or preaching to. It is so, so wonderfully powerful. Remember in Romans 10, and we know these two scriptures, Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It's not our way, it's his way. It's not our thoughts, it's his word. It's not our feeling, it's our salvation we are fighting for. And of course, when we fight for it and and we get the victories, it is the blessings for this life and also the blessed assurance of life for eternity. It's always our choice. No one else is. God's already told us what he will do. Hebrews 2. We'll finish with this last scripture. Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. We've received his spirit. We've received teaching to know what his will is. We've received all those promises that he's he's, he's given us. And I know, I know some of you find all of this difficult. And it's the reason why that God continually tells us over and over again. And it's the reason why I have continually asked for you to tell me. And let me work with you so you can be fruitful in your ministry remember the fruit of the spirit is god working in you to have the same characteristics as jesus and to be equipped to do the work of the ministry thus being fruitful are the souls that are one for christ it is the wisdom of god it's his will his desire we go out and give everyone a chance to know god to at least for us to have a chance to be blessed by God and give us, us, others, a chance to be blessed by God in this life and then to have eternal life. This is our time. This is our lives. This is where we dedicate ourselves to God. We can keep trying to build our, our kingdom or we can work together and build the kingdom of God. And then see what the Lord will do with us. It's his promises and it's not ours. But the promises are ours. Lord, I ask you today, work with us, Father, to save one more soul. And Lord, I know that you will provide everything we need. And you tell me, Father, over and over again, Whatever I need to do the work of the ministry, you will provide it. Father, you tell us we have the skills to do the work of the ministry within the body of Christ. And your promise is that you will equip all of us to be able to do whatever your will is to do. Father, we know it's it's up to us, not you. You've given us all the tools necessary, every word, the power of God, the authority, the teaching, and you've given us so many promises to hold, stand fast to the Word, to walk not by not by sight, but walk by faith. You tell us not to worry or be anxious over anything, because that drives us down. You tell us to give to get our lives decent and in order. So many times you've given us vision. So many times we you've told us to plan our time and our activities. Why? For we have have no time for God. What what do you think God's thoughts are towards us? Um, And we can have tons of them. For me, I have to ask. Father, you tell me that I've got to obey you and not man. Tell me, you'll love it when I do the the will of God, for then I'm pleasing you, Father, not what man wants me to do. And Father, who should we obey, man or God? Father, should I go with my feelings, or should I go with the Word of God today? God is calling us back to have that first love. To love the Lord, our God, with all of our mind, soul, and strength. To love our neighbours as ourselves. This and all the law and the prophets hang upon these two commandments. The Lord is calling us today to action. And I pray that we can. Together, begin to be the workers in that kingdom and do as the Lord has asked us to work together and grow the kingdom of God, his church, his body, his bride, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.